you have your Bibles, open them up to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. Um, this summer we are going through uh, not the entire book of Psalms, 150 chapters. That would take decades, uh, probably longer. But we are going through different genres of Psalms. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the pilgrimage Psalms, uh, Songs of Ascent. Uh, they were given these names because they were sung as the Jewish people journeyed up in Jerusalem during their three annual feasts. Uh, the two specific songs of ascent that we'll be reading this morning uh, were written by Solomon, and they deal with the topic of the day, hence Father's Day, tail end of VBS, families. A perfect topic as we celebrate these things this morning. And so through Psalm 127 and 128, we're going to see the usefulness and fruitfulness of families. The usefulness and fruitfulness of families. And, and as I mentioned, I've just been excited about these scriptures and this theme. However, as excited as I've been, um, there's always a little uh, tense of uh, anxiousness uh, when talking about families and parenting because we all know that family is hard. We know that parenting is hard. In fact, if you signed up for the uh, uh, parenting summer study that I'll be leading this summer, you'll see right away that the author of that book uh, says, I think it's quoted in the very front first chapter or the very beginning, parenting is not for wimps, Jimmy Scroggins had said. It's tough. I mean, if you didn't realize this, you could have noticed or saw just in the news even, when the royal family, supposed model citizens, couldn't even fake how hard parenting is when the entire world is watching during the Jubilee. And as some of you guys, many of you guys had seen, and we have Kate here with her son uh, giving her, I don't know if you guys know what this is. They're like, do we do this in America? We do not, okay? That right there is called cocking a snoot, okay? That's what that is, okay? And it is disrespecting whoever you are doing it to, all right? And listen, we should not judge poor Kate here. All parents have been in that position when our kids embarrass us. Amen? Okay. Should have been a little bit louder in my opinion. I mean, we've all had those embarrassing moments of the loud, no! The eye rolls, the talk back. All of those things. And in those embarrassing moments, or the lessons that we want to teach later, the advice, guidance we try to give, the discipline, or even maybe in recognition, lack of discipline that we're giving, the temptation to idolize or not invest or care enough in this area, we recognize that family, that parenting is tough. And all at the same time, yet so important, important to God, important to you, important to the church and important to our church. And these right here that we're going to read are two psalms that was sung by, meditated on, believed in, strived after and given to us, written by someone known as the wisest man who ever lived that wasn't Jesus. So we can see the usefulness and fruitfulness of family. And by God's grace, let's learn it 
with New, Tis- New Testament scripture in mind that's consistent with it and a new covenant from Jesus showing its spiritual significance as we are now adopted into God's family by grace through faith in Jesus. So first, Psalm 127, we see the usefulness of children and families. Starting off with verse 1, you also see it on the screen to the left and right of me. God's word says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Is it in vain? It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Now listen, I want to return to those two verses at the very end of this sermon. It's pretty straightforward and obvious that it is showing us before even talking about anything with family and kids, that it's showing us that we cannot do anything without the Lord's help. Nothing. All of our accomplishments, all of our honors, everything we feel like we can get pats on the back or our promotions at work, as hard as you've worked, the hustle, it is all still grace. Which now getting into family and the hard work that goes into family and parenting, we must be reminded of that grace. As verse 3 now, we read, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Which means that children are used as a gift of grace from the Lord. This verse right here, verse 3, is such a popular verse. I mean, Hobby Lobby, they are making money on this right now. I mean, they're like, off of this verse right here. This is where we get the whole children is a blessing verse. And get this, it's the only verse when people say that and ask, In scripture, where does that come from? Even if it's not the technical word, but we'll get to that. This is it. Children are a heritage. Some versions say blessing, some gift from the Lord. That's because it all is one with that Hebrew word that we're going to unpack in a moment here. But before we even get into that part, as it starts off with, it says, behold, pay attention to this. When We see a behold in the Bible. It isn't them just trying to casually get your attention. It's like a, hey, uh, look at this. Or like when your teenage kid says, trying to get your attention. Bruh. Okay? No. This is behold. The word that was used from angels when saying, look at this. Pointing to something that's going to be glorious marvelous, miraculous in ways. Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. Now again, that word heritage right there. It is blessing. It's a gift inheritance. It's often used elsewhere as more possession inheritance gifts, but it goes beyond that. It's not a possession, like kids are just 
Behold, children are your possessions. It is a gift inheritance. A blessing from the Lord that will extend out other blessings. It says the fruit of a womb. Kids that are produced like fruit, they are a gift. And that's what reward is here. A gift. And, and please believe me as, as Kendra spouted off quickly some numbers. When you have nearly 100 kids in this small little building, we're able to do a lot more beyond Sunday morning because of our, heart, our church's heart and identity and what we do with home groups and discipleship. But when you get almost 100 kids in this small little building, they can feel a little cramped. And maybe outside lost world will say, wow, that's a lot of like nuisances or hindrances where we would say, what a blessing it is to see that, to experience that. And although parenting is tough, I still don't have to do much convincing of this truth from God, right? That children are used as a gift of grace from the Lord. You know this. And if you're struggling to see this, we want to help you. But they are gifts and blessings from the Lord. Now, to the more tougher things, both here and in the next psalm. And know this, when talking about some of these things from here on out, you'll notice how I'll have to pause at times, take maybe a brief step back, remind us all of a few important things on these instructions or, or point for, points from God's word. Some words to make sure that we don't idolize family, to encourage those who maybe have been hurt, struggling, or without family, or to remind us how sin has affected some of these things. I want to more fully explain to those who may not know Christ in here what some of these things mean. But as we go on, and we all agree, children get the grace from the Lord. Now we see in verses 4 through 5 that children are used for Jesus' mission. Now, although, again, everyone's not going to argue the whole kids are a blessing and gift thing. If you're not a Christian, you don't care about God or live for him probably going to be a bit confused right now and that's okay i'm going to unpack it i understand that but as christians quick disclaimer we do believe we have a mission and that mission is not just the pastor's mission it's not just the mission committee's mission the mission team the missionaries mission we all have a mission as professing believers it's no secret it's in the back banner of the wall we are to make disciples we make disciples coming from the great commission matthew 28 16 through 20 it's mentioned all the way back from creation as we went in our sermon series talking about imago day going to missio day the image of of god going to the mission of god we talked about this in the gospel and genesis series going back to abrahamic's promise in that relationship to the Great Commission. We are called as Christians to make disciples who make disciples. And it is no different when it comes to family. Look at the very beginning of verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children 
of one's year. Now get this. Our kids' parents are to be intentionally sought out for Jesus' missional purposes into the world. That doesn't mean like every kid is to be shot out as a missionary to Tanzania or overseas. Although what a praise that should be if they were international missionaries. But just as we say when we dedicate babies and an openness to the Lord, will you use these kids to be arrows of light and mission? God can call them to be a plumber, a teacher, a stay-at-home parent, a politician, all these different things where he will send them out, hopefully with Christ within, to shine a light out to wherever they go with their own individual lives, with individual influences. And our hope, our hope is that they will do that. First, receiving Christ themselves, recognizing they are sinners. That because of that sin, it hinders them from who they were created for. And they learned at VBS all week, a loving relationship with the God that created them. That out of his love for us, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for that sin, taking that sin upon himself, the penalty of that sin, both spiritual and physical death. And he took that upon himself, rose from the grave three days later, and that anyone, including a child, that has pure saving faith, repents, turns from their sin and recognition of it, confessing it, and then repenting of it, and having saving faith in Jesus and who he is and who he said he was and what he accomplished as our Savior in the cross and resurrection, that they are saved. Not just saved and receiving eternal life, but receiving the Holy Spirit that helps, the, that helps with the sending. And don't you want God the Father doing that for your children and your family? And having the trust and know with that Holy Spirit, Jesus is with him the entire time, with her the entire time. Don't we want them to receive what we've received as parents and not do nothing with it, but to go with it. And you know you don't view the church like this, which is the body of Christ, Christians. You want the church to grow, to spread, to continually cover the dark with light. Parents, do you want the same for your kids? It's not hard for me to campaign and say, hey, we want to grow, not because we want to be a big church, we want to reach people for Christ and maybe even send them out so we can keep community. But when we say that about kids, let's just be honest, parents. There's a little bit of like, right? Let me mother hen them in a bit. But listen, trust me on this. They're going to go one way or another. I have the pre-marriage counseling stats to back this up. They're going to go talk to the different crew leaders in here. They went. They're going to go. And some of you 
Some of you helicopter parents out there. Even if God answers your prayer and they stay with you forever living in your basement, you don't think they will have some type of separate job, friends, interactions of life anywhere else in the future? No, they're going to have those things. What are they going to do with it based off what we invest in them? They're going to be shot out. Yeah, for some, it's going to be like Katniss. Others, like my seven-year-old who's clumsy, and the arrow's going to be like... But they're going to go out. And I even think about this. I pray for my kids. Three-fourths of the week, specific things with it, one of this is their future and mission. And if my kid, say one of my sons, is shot out and sent to Cleveland to be, as many of you guys know, I'm a Northeast Ohio guy, big Cleveland Brown guy. And if they go out and they're a Cleveland Brown and they even help win a Super Bowl for like the most cursed team in the history of the world, and they bring a Super Bowl, as a like, lifelong Browns fan, do you know how proud I'd be? I'm not going to lie, I'd be ecstatic. And yet, was not a Christian living on mission. I would love them just the same. I would be there for them just the same. But we all know or should know, that's not the goal. That's not the top desire that I would have hoped for. Even in comparison to what I pray right now, if they were a lifelong, career, vocational, fast food worker that shined Jesus and served their church. And I say that with all sincerity and truth. That is a sharper arrow being sent. And that is what this is talking about. You do know that, parents. I know it's tough. I know it's tough because, number one, only God does the saving. So you don't have the control, which is relieving yet hard. Number two, we know they're just kids. You're not thinking about shooting them off for God's mission. It seems like a lot of pressure. But if you ask yourself, what other answers can you give for how you think God wants you to use this time to prepare them as they will, no matter what, be launched into adulthood, life, future, vocation, maybe marriage, all those things. Are you shaping them into a direction of being used for God's mission? Or do you look at that as just the church job? What happens when you stop bringing them to church when they don't want to go? Is one hour on Sunday going to do it? And if you're not living it, they're not going to live it. And that shouldn't be an excuse. Again, I mean, how often we're talking about as a church how important it is to receive Christ, to share Christ, to live this out wherever you go. 
God equips you for it. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. All right, for a brief moment, we need to pull up our chairs for this one, okay? Especially since we already have a bit of a reputation over here with this particular verse and word. Some of you guys may not know this, but when we were a part of Centerpoint Church, um, they noticed that we had a lot of large families in our church. And I started hearing the joking and the, the little quipping and the sarcastic jokes of, are you guys like teaching the quiverful movement over there? What's going on? That word quiver and words from it like quiverful has certain stereotypes and connotations with it, doesn't it? Doesn't it? As of lately, we've had lots of negatives in the world for large families. Back this past December when I was in Middle East with uh, a missionary from our church that serves over there, I even had several Middle Eastern Christians joke and ask if I was Muslim when they found out I had four kids. They'd be like, oh, you must be Muslim. I'd be like, what? I'll be honest, I was like confused and a little annoyed. Not because they're calling me or comparing me to a Muslim, but because I take great honor and appreciation for my semi-large family. I don't even think four is that, that big. And I look at them as blessings. But I understand in certain aspects, even my wife, I remember in the heyday of the Duggars, would critique and see, share, like in the midst of 19 kids and counting 2021, all controversy that came with that. I remember her even saying, man, their house, I don't even think the, the, their children have normal, normal childhoods because their parents are doing celebrity stuff while the kids are being the parents right there. And so again, I know there's critique, some rightfully so with some of these things, or if you watch that documentary on, on, on uh, Netflix with the infertility doctor in Indiana, uh, Dr. Klein, uh, I know, that was like a doozy, okay? And, and so like there's these negative connotations of this whole word and this meaning, but listen, getting back to this text, it doesn't mean, it doesn't, this doesn't just mean that like big families are biblical. It's not like, oh, you have one kid, you get baby blessings. Five kids, mountain blessings. But we cannot let that take away from what has been interpreted, applied, strived after, and not wrongfully pursued for generations of God's people along with this truth as well. That there is a certain blessing with those that God does call for a large, full family. That just like the first one, when talking about children are a blessing, two, that God uses children and family as a part of his mission, we can understand, note, and see, even with a history of large Christian families, to be a good thing. I mean, I look about some of my personal heroes when it comes to how they discipled their family, did family devotions, treated their family to be sent out later. I think about Martin Luther, and I've studied the time that he spent with his wife and kids and seeing how he had five kids. Jonathan Edwards with 11 kids. So much of the Puritans that got many things wrong, but then so many things right, especially when it comes to 
devotions and discipleship in the family. Even my personal mentor and discipler, Jimmy Scroggins, who wrote the book that we're going to be going over for summer study, eight kids. And I think about and have studied that, but then even with Jimmy and others, what that means to pass down the faith in generations. All those churches with multiple families, there for a reason. And it's not a bad reason, although sadly it can get political in those churches and there's some biases internal and some protection, protective kind of natures. But should we not look at that as a blessing? When people, moms, dads that love Jesus have kids, continue to teach them about Jesus with the mindset of shooting out. I think again about my own personal blessings in this, both here at this church and my family. How it fills me, how it's challenging, but getting that stage of even now where I'm at with four different, different relationships with each of them and the opportunities that is there for discipleship and the joy it is. And then seeing it here with other families, it's grace upon Grace. And then I see how that gets intertwined with the rest of the church. You know how beautiful it is to see community groups, some single mom, some no kids, some family of five or six, all with each other, loving, serving each other, helping each other out in its different needs. It's not like we have community groups that are like separated by amount of kids. Oh, you, got, you go to the one to two kids stage, okay? You go to the five to six kids stage, okay? But them all interacting with different people, different dynamics in their families. Uh, in fact, one of my most fond memories, such a blessing, semi-early into COVID, it was right after my mother-in-law passed and it was just hard for everybody. And um, my community group at that time we all got together at a family that attended our church at the time that had a huge, large kind of area, farm, four-wheelers, everything. And we all got together over there. And, and at this time, this was kind of the largest at the time my community group was. And even within it, we had over 30 kids that, that went, that were representative of the families that were there. I remember often people even say, like, oh, yeah, why don't you just do child care at our home? Like, we need Elon Musk's home to do childcare at our home, okay? Can't fit 30 kids there. And I remember all of us, just different seasons, stages of life, everybody, just all together after very hard lack of community with COVID. And what a blessing it was to see our kids interacting with different ages, us, and how much we needed that. Again, I want to take a quick step back, pause to reassure Every person, every marriage, every family will be different. That's a good thing. But in a world and age, let's just be honest, that looks down upon kids and look at them more as nuisances and hindrances. This is a blessing as we see from the word. It is. Doesn't that mean it's going to have to be every one of your blessings? But if you have a critical spirit instead of a spirit of this is good and joy, and how can I even help? Or openness to God is this us 
to have more kids? You have to ask why. Is that more of the world and selfishness and sin or of God? Because it is used not only for you personally in sanctification and worship, but getting back to this text here in mission. Remember that whole arrow thing? Well, when you have a few more kids, you have a few more arrows. Just in case one doesn't make the mark, you've got some backups. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But just common sense. Think through this. How hard is it to share the gospel in this day and age with the average lost person growing up in a lost environment and home? It's tougher now more than the last several maybe decades. So do we think that there are higher chances or lower chances for that kid that grows up in a true Christian home and church or a lost world to come to know Christ? I mean, again, some of you guys go to Derby. Which one's the winning horse that you're going to put your money on? The one where in this day and age, from the very beginning, being attacked from Satan and the lost worldview, or the one where you have the ability and opportunity to plant those seeds of the gospel. But that does mean that you actually have to do something with those kids. You don't just make them and say, I did my part for the Great Commission. This means we must steward our families well. The goal is not just large families. It's what you do with however many that God gives with discipleship and mission. It says, he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, and he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. You may remember this from Ruth 4, 1 through 2, where Boaz has redeemed Ruth at the city gates because it was at the city gates at this time that served as a combined kind of town hall, courthouse. They decided cases where elders witnessed all such transactions. And it's one thing to roll up to those proceedings with your homies. But it's another when you got a big family that loves Jesus. You know, I've seen when Christians and families were slandered, criticized, or hurt, even from within the church. And I saw that as they clung to Jesus and they clung to their family, how much God used that in those seasons and times for those people. I've seen when people would be run out in the midst of church splits, stupid, pointless arguments over things. And again, without giving up on the church, how is God's grace in those seasons where they realize, I still have you, Jesus, and I still have my family. I've seen when people have lost their job or their beloved social group, whether it was because of integrity or standing up for what's right and what's biblical, 
how through some of the toughest, most hurtful, and potential loneliest times and seasons, that silver strain of grace in such situations when they experienced it, that they ultimately couldn't be put to shame because they'd have their family by their side. God uses it. It doesn't mean that families should support and justify their own sin or their members' sins. I've seen that far too often as well. I'm ultra on guard with it at my home. I know it's tough. I've been in student ministry long enough to see how often in those cases where parents justify their kids' sin to the umpteenth degree because mama bear comes in and I want to make sure my kid sin, they need to make it right. But oh, what a blessing. Oh, what a protection it is to be able to stick together in the midst when you're being attacked. Not sticking together for the wrong things. Knowing every situation is unique. But as the text says here, it's one of the biggest blessings of a family to love Jesus when interacting with the enemy and going through trials. And we have one more psalm. This is smaller, but it needs to be heard. Look at the very next psalm, Psalm 128. If that's the usefulness of children and families, here in Psalm 128 we have the fruitfulness of children and families. Verse 1 of chapter 128, it shows a blessed family is fruit. It's fruit from faithful labor and a fear of the Lord. Verse 1, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands, and you shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. As this verse says in verse 1, we must fear the Lord, and we must walk in his ways. And there will be fruit to come, but that fruit, as it says in verse 2, it takes work. It takes, as it says there, the labor of your hands. And so listen, quickly, there's some work that is to be put in to our families. We view our kids and family as to be a gracious gift from the Lord, a blessing, but to be used for Jesus' mission. And part of that is that fruit coming out. It's going to take some faithful labor and a fear of the Lord. And here are some examples of working for that spiritual growth, that faithful labor for your family. That could be leading your family when it comes to family devotions. And when your kids get older, how they can do devotions on their own. That's discipling them, just like our church makes disciples and has these one-on-one or one-on-three relationships to invest in every week or every two weeks with people with the purpose of them eventually going out and doing that with someone else. You doing that with your kids before all. That one-on-one relationship, teach them, going over accountability with scripture and then maybe other books. It's showing your family what to prioritize and what's most important. It's teaching them scripture, not just depending that they get enough at church. And eventually helping them again read it for themselves and hear from God for it. Hear from God from it. And listen, as a longtime student pastor, I know some of you guys are like, I don't know if they know how to do that or if they will learn how to do it. Please believe me. Especially in seasons when I saw some of the hardest to reach kids get saved and teaching them and discipling them how to be able to read the Bible for themselves, it is possible. 
and you're going to have the number one most opportune time to do it. Teaching them with devotions. Praying for them. Prioritizing church. Leading them on mission. Showing them a love for the lost world. Showing them the difference between right, wrong, according to scripture. Discipline. Giving grace. Giving guidance. Even though you may feel like, I don't have nothing to give. Guess what? God making you them their parent, you have more than you would ever think. You have that Holy Spirit and you were chosen and given to guide. Growing in your own marriage and that being an example to them. I know that's a lot. I'm sorry. You have the Holy Spirit. We as a church want to help you, but it is going to take faithful labor and work taking some of those steps and it's better than doing nothing or thinking it's going to be solved in the Sundays. Yes, take baby steps, even if it's just steps. Don't use ages as an excuse. You can do different things for each season. And it's okay just to try, just to fail, just to get up, embrace grace, and go at it again. Because God's got it. And when you do... When you put the needed time, that work in, some of the blessings, it shall go well with you, it says. There's fruit of such labor. Look at some of this fruit. Verse 3. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Your wife as a fruitful vine within your house. Husbands, don't pull the whole Song of Solomon thing and think this is going to be the most romantic thing to tell her on your next date. You're my vine, baby. Okay? Like when she hears vine, she's thinking about the weeds in the back. Okay? And so, mm-mm. But I'll admit, as horrible as last week was, most sick I've been in a very, very long time, I did believe the big part of it was God reminding me this specific verse, knowing it was coming up, how I had a six-day glimpse of how by God's grace, my wife Jess is that fruitful vine within our house. Sadly, it's so easy even for me to go out to my job at the church and just kind of forget all she does to make our family flourish. And that's including my own job and church. But just to see out of a cracked eye while moaning and groaning. Everything she accomplished from her regular household duties to managing her dad's weekly affairs since her mom has passed to managing, discipling, nurturing kids individually because each are so different. Lila Grace is her little errand runner and she's the little organizer. One of her VBS teachers even said, I didn't realize your daughter was such a leader. Um, and then Carter, who's the, the sweet, innocent, ignorant cuddler at home, okay? And, and Liam, who helps and assists, and he's, he's the one at home that wants to, to, to kind of step up and do, like, home duties. And seeing how she treats each one of them differently. 
to all the responsibilities over this week with VBS, including regular Sunday responsibilities. And Saturday and Sunday, when it came to setup, training, three days of events, being the chauffeur for teenage daughter and all the students' events, driving around town with errands from groceries, goodwill drop-off, uh, at the same time finding time to, to drop off flowers for a girlfriend of hers uh, whose birthday was that day, um, and, then, and then taking care of me as I'm dying, okay? All at the same time. Finding time for herself to spiritually rest and grow in her devotions. Arranging time with her girlfriends and for community and her sushi night. Picking up last minute meals for last minute pickups of VBS that is, is gluten free. And all of this, all of this in 100 degree weather and at one point my dog choking and we thought dying and having to go to the, the, to the uh, uh, vet uh, to, to save him. I mean, all of this, and all I could think of as all this happened at the end of the day is like reverse bizarro Stranger Things Vecna, okay? Like, except for instead of those vines being a curse, I mean, she's just like, it's just like vines of blessings that are coming out all through my house help people flourish. That might have been the NyQuil at that time, okay? And I'm not trying to turn her into this picture of a picture-perfect pastor's wife with the perfect family. We're not, by no means. But I'd be lying if I didn't say her entangling, growing, and spreading godly influence affects all areas of our busy home and beyond. And yes, she works at it. And yes, without God, it wouldn't be possible. And I know it's God that gives her the grace, the strength, and love for him to spur her. But some of those different examples that she's doing, some I'm doing, some it's tag teaming, some kids are picking up, some it's tougher. It's labor that we are faithful in and have a fear for the Lord. As it says, your kids are olive shoots around your table, which I love the picture of as kind of a family dinner. It's hard, but still a blessing and reminder to you, to I. This is why God graciously gifted and asked us to steward these families well. Knowing no home will be perfect. It won't. But oh, church, how it certainly blesses you when it points you back to God. It humbles you to see this playing out. It can't be help to worship him and be grateful. Many times my joy and family life motivates me in ministry. And I want that for you, GCC. I don't want you to feel bad if it isn't for many different reasons. It won't for some. Again, things aren't going to always be perfect. Every marriage, every family is going to be different. You think about Job, you think about Hosea. And there are some that God calls in these ways where you just need to be faithful even if you do not see the fruit from the labor. But you still have to be faithful. And yet, you take that aside and there are some whose families can be more like this. And if you're honest, it's not because it's more of a reflection of your heart, maybe attitude or actions or lack of. Maybe more of a result of certain sins and selfishness by God's grace, that 
can change. Someone here, that is changing today as he's speaking through his word. There's just no hiding it. Man, but I want God to save other families so they can experience this as well. Last of all, we see in verses 4 through 6, a society that flourishes and legacies that are left the gospel, that that is fruit from such blessed families that know the Lord. Verse 4, Behold, here's that word again, Thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord blesses you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. You see here in verses 4 through 5 how it helps society flourish as it helped Israel as you see at this time. God uses marriage and family to see a picture of him to help the world, to help society. We know the things that hurt society. Everything from divorce to affairs to kids with parents who abandon responsibilities or to a culture that doesn't care about children and when they are hurt or turning a blind eye to when they are being hurt. Not only is marriage and family vital to society, but the benefits of it for both individual adults and children is well documented. In general, married people live longer, spend less time in the hospital, have higher incomes, enjoy greater emotional support. Children raised by moms, dads are are less to live in, and everything from poverty to drop out of school, most likely to finish college. You can look up all the statistics. Society flourishes. But not only that, there's legacies that are left future generations in your family as it says in verse 6 may you see your children's children this was needed to continue amongst Israel God's people in the midst of surrounding pagan nations I think about one of our elders Steve Mewson and his family and you just have a conversation with them and the generations before and now the generations to come of those have embraced Christ and see how that is spreading. And that can be true with some of you. For some, it will be true. No matter what has happened in the past, no matter how many mistakes you think you've made, it be reversed. Remember how I told you I wanted to just end at the very beginning of Psalm 127? Let's reread that before we sing. Psalm 127, starting off at verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Let me remind you, only God can truly Build the home. Yes, it takes those steps of action, like I said, that faithful labor to bring that fruit. It takes a fear of him first, for only he can build the home. You need him first. I know for some of you, this scripture and these points are affirming 
the journey you're on, what you're doing at home, what the church is doing maybe in some ways. But for some of you, this may have been convicting. And we would love to help. For some, it's challenging. And it pushes some of you to help others. I ask, how do we need to respond to his word? One, some of you, you may need to know Jesus so you can start leading your family to Jesus. And that's what he is calling you to today. Even right now, when we go into time of prayer before this song, maybe it's crying out to him in only ways that your heart knows, saying, I'm that sinner, Jesus, you're that savior. Come into my heart and life right now and save me. So although we won't be perfect, but to have a more beautiful picture like this was read in God's word today. Some you do know Jesus, but you don't feel like you're doing enough. Maybe some of you feel like anything for your kids. And it does take work. There is a fear of the Lord that needs to be there. Maybe it's taking some of those action steps I quickly read off. But I tell you, don't be afraid and respond to the Lord. Commit to him. Talk to your spouse about how you can better disciple your kids. Better create a culture with Jesus at center and actually do it. And some who are in here, you're doing well. Maybe you don't have kids or you've been there, done that. You may need to ask, how can you help other families, parents, or kids in here? I've mentioned this. Our church is more than half young families. That's very rare for a church. And it's something we must be good stewards over. And for some of you, how can you help others in this? Right now, will you take some time with the Lord? If you need help with anything, you can fill out on this card. I want to talk to a pastor or somebody about some of these things. Will you spend some time with the Lord wherever he's leading, whether it's accepting him for the first time, whether it's making commitments with this, maybe it's helping others in this. And then when you're finished, we're going to stand, we're going to pray, and we're going to sing as a reminder that all glory be to Christ, and without him, none of this is possible. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes, pray according to how he is revealing and speaking. And then we'll stand and sing.
Jesus is a representative of you in many ways. From the Heavenly Father you are to us, to the adoption of us into that family through Christ, to how we now treat our brothers and sisters. And God, we know we are family now sent out by you. And I pray, Lord, that we can lead our own families to be those witnesses. God, I want to lift up all the commitments that we're given right now. Lord, from moms and dads that want to take steps to help create that culture in their home with you at center taking active steps in certain ways of discipleship, personal investment, being an example in their own marriage, when to discipline, when to give grace. And God, please let them know as a church how we can help them beyond what we give and try to create a culture and try to build them up spiritually to to be empowered in these ways, to remind them of the mission. But if we can help personally, let them fill out that card and And we'd love to be able to help take them steps, whether it's discipling them in such things, giving points, helping in any way we can. And God, if there's anybody that received you as their Lord and Savior for the first time, that says angels are rejoicing in heaven. And I pray, Lord, that they'll just fill out a card, share, so that we can be able to help them grow now in their faith and with their family. What a rejoice that is. God, All glory be to you. As we sing this right now, let us be reminded that nothing we do matters. can really give such fruit without you behind it. We sing this with all our hearts because it's true. In your name, Jesus.